Welcome. Welcome to the man room. To the man room. Welcome to the man room. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Man Room Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, tonight, whenever you're listening. I'm Marcus Bridges, your host, and uh, we got a super good show for you lined up tonight. So just a little bit of homework first, as we always do. Visit the website, www.themanroompodcast.com. Got to get my own website right. Uh, Secondly, you're going to check us out on Facebook. Hit us up with those Spotify reviews. uh, Share it with your friends. Five stars on Apple really helps us. Um, So that's that's basically what you need to do. I did put a donate thing up on the website, too. The donation thing is live. Themanroompodcast.com. Uh, If you want to support the show, we really appreciate it. Uh, We'll talk about what we're going to use that money to support the show with here in just a second. After I introduce my guest today, uh, a man that I got to work with for a little while, not long enough, uh, played a little bit of music with, uh, more than anything, drank our our body weight in Bud Light, and uh, I'd like to welcome to the Man Room Podcast tonight, Kirk Enbisk. How's it going, dude? Hey, what's up, man? Happy to join the pod. I had no idea the intro was uh, live. Like I, Rogan doesn't even do that. His like little spiel before the guest, he does. He records that later. Like, very <laughs> impressed. Well, I, hey, man, I, I that's how I started with a mic in front of me was live. I didn't ever know any other way. You know, we used to turn the radio on and and there we'd be. So, uh, I've always felt more comfortable doing it that way. I feel like I sound like kind of a dick when I read. To be honest with you, so. Um, I, I am glad thank you very much. I feel, uh, humbled to be mentioned in the same breath as Joe Rogan promise you that it's not, it's not uh, worth it or worth your time. But, uh, thanks for joining me, dude. You are coming to us from Florida. So it's actually a little bit more like the party's like starting in Florida right now. It's only four o'clock here in Oregon where I'm at. So it's like happy hour, uh, on a Saturday. So, um, <clears throat> we always start the pot out with the exact same thing. What are you drinking? And uh, I know because you told me earlier in the week that uh, you have like an import subscription or like a box or something like that that uh, that brings you yeah, special yeah. beers. Tell me about that. I'm in this like I got it as a gift. It's the International Beer of the Month Club, and they just send you uh, it's like twelve beers. You get two six packs. I get it quarterly, and uh, they just show up from Europe. And there's like this little pamphlet and they tell you all about the brewery and like where it came from. And, uh, it's a fun time. Like since I moved to the East coast, like I got it kind of more into the European stuff. Cause the IPAs aren't as good out here. No. You can find a good one, but in Oregon, like I felt like it was like, you know, you throw a dart and you'll hit a good IPA out here. If you're just like, yeah, give me the IPA. Like you'll get something that tastes like ass. <laughs> it's, it's not like I was like, so I was like, all right, well, What's out here that I haven't really seen over in Oregon? There was a lot of cool, like, import beer. So I started getting into, like, cool, like, Czech Pilsners and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, I have kind of went down that rabbit hole. Uh, let me grab – I got to step over to the fridge and see what – I don't remember what this thing's called. Grabbing his, uh, grabbing his glass real quick. Of course, if you're watching us, uh, this is only one of – this is only the second time we've actually had video for this podcast. So if you're checking this out on YouTube or you're watching it on the Facebook video – uh, you knew that Kirk just got up and left the mic to go get his thing. But if you're just listening, that's why I gave you that stupid long uh, reset of what just happened. Go for it, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. so it's the uh, the Praga Premium Pills. I've Authentic. seen that oh, let me. I got a real camera, so I can't like hold it forward. I have to hold it at the same depth as my face. Yeah. The Authentic Czech 
Pilsner. Nice. And, uh, oh, product of the Czech Republic, the homeland of the Pils. Did you know that that's so, uh, also the homeland of the Marcus? Like, that's where my family uh, originates from is, is Czechoslovakia when it used to be a place. Really? Yeah, dude. I, I did not it. know that that was the homeland of the Marcus, but I'm excited to try this. I haven't tried it yet. This is a, a live first tasting here on the main room. Okay. Exclusive. See, we break news on this podcast. Cracking it open. All right. It, it is a superb Pilsner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, it's very good. Just like it says on the can. <laughs> well, that's great, man. Uh, I think you're like the first guy to bring uh, a, a real true uh, European Pilsner to the podcast. I know Jared was was messing around with some of those for a while. I like European beers. It's just, to me, um, especially with Pilsners, they all have that taste like they're a green bottle beer, like a Rolling Rock or a Hef. And, uh, Hef what is it? Hef, not Hefeweizen. Um, uh, Heineken, sorry. Um Mm. I like that flavor a little bit, but I can't drink it all day. Um, I really like, uh, God, I can't, I think it's Doppelbach. It's a German thing. Uh, it's a little bit darker, and they serve it to you in just a just a tank, like a, like a gas can of beer, and you just get hammered on it and sing like German songs. That's always fun. Uh, for me, I actually, and once again, nobody's paying us to say any of this, but by all means, it's welcome. Email me, themanroompodcast at gmail.com. Sponsorship spots available with video, I might add. Um, I am drinking, and not because uh, he brought me a bunch of them. I'd already drank all of those, but last week we had Josh LaRue, or LaRoe, excuse me, on the podcast, and uh, he works for Wildcraft Cider Works here in the Willamette Valley, which um, he told me some cool stuff about. It's like the only cidery that does all local. Like, they don't source anything from out of the Willamette Valley, and this one is a Honeycrisp, uh, Wildcraft Honeycrisp Heritage Cider, and, uh, dude, it's it's awesome. I mean... I'm. I was gonna bring beer in here to be honest, and I saw that on the shelf, and I ha I enjoyed all of the ciders that he brought so much that I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not drinking beer on the man room tonight. I'm pulling in with cider and uh, start the party there. And then I got some truly in the fridge, but we're not gonna be on long enough for me to mess with that shit. So <laughs> it's kind of an ongoing yeah, saga between you and I. Cider's another thing out there. You guys just get way more into the ciders out here. You can't really find a cider yeah. like specialty, like yeah. Two Towns or Wildcraft or any of those things. Like uh, West Coast is the place to get cider, if you ask me. You know, I have uh, I've heard some things about Florida, and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on. Besides, you know, we'll end up reminiscing, I'm sure, about the radio show in times past uh, as the podcast rolls on, but. You have been living in New York until just recently where you uh, went down to Florida for work, and now you're hanging out in Florida. So I, I, I don't know really much about what you've got going on in your life as far as, like, if you, if you had a girlfriend still, if, you, if she moved with you, or if you went down there by yourself. Because, you know, we play video games together, but what I realized is, like, when my wife asked me, like, oh, how's Kirk doing? I was like, I, th I think he's good. All we said was, like, on me, and fuck, I'm dead. And you know, so it's like we don't really get to chat about that stuff. So uh, talk me through a little bit. What what made you make the decision to jump ship and head from New York to Florida temporarily, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm here for the summer right now. I still have a girlfriend. She is kind of she comes down to visit, uh, but she does have some stuff she needs to go back to New York for sometimes uh, like Broadway opening, stuff like that. Uh, she does social media for a lot of those shows. Wow. Uh, and then. My boss was like, "Hey, I want, I'm going to go down to Florida, and like we need help. We I do a podcast. It's a company called Applico. You can follow us on uh, YouTube. A P P L I C O. I literally get paid more the more people subscribe. So that's if awesome. You, uh, if you want to give me money, 
you, in a in a weird way you're technically doing that by subscribing on youtube we'll and, share uh, that so he's like yeah sure i want to like set up the studio like uh he was like renting a place and then buying a place so it's like we kind of had to move the studio around so i was like yeah like I, you know i'll come down for the summer to florida get uh, get a little more space this was a uh, before we had a lot of visibility on COVID, it sounds like masks are coming off, at least in the near future. So uh, I'm not, New York's not as dangerous, I guess, once the corona's controlled. But uh, for a while, like, you know, New York, you're stuck in your apartment. That's not very fun. Especially, yeah. you know, you can't go outside. You're afraid of getting sick. There's, you know, crazy people out there. Um, so yeah, it was a great place, great to come down here, get a little more room. And I've just been enjoying uh, the Florida weather. Yeah, dude. So are you beaching it a lot? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I, I've gone like probably five, six times just on the weekend, go for a walk on the beach. I haven't gone swimming yet. Like the week I got here, there was this news story of like this huge shark migration. And there's like, a, there's pictures of this and there's just like, I don't, it was like, I think they said like, you know, like six to 700 sharks, oh my God. just like right where everybody swims, you know? So like. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll uh, take a break on swimming, but it's it's as the summer comes and it's getting hotter, I might uh, take a dip in the ocean at some point. Dude, it's hot. Do you have you ever like uh, uh, what is it, boogie boarded or body surfed? No, I've I've never done that. Oh, dude, it's so much fun. It's one of those things that like once you get out there and you do it, even if you're really bad at it, you're like, I would risk my life swimming with sharks for this. Like it's it's that much fun. Um, I, I took some surfing lessons once. I actually I fell on a longboard. Uh, in Hawaii, like 800 yards offshore, and I fell flat on my face, and my nose started bleeding, and there was blood everywhere in the water, and I was so far away from the shore. Like, we had to go past this ship channel because the break was way out, and they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's about an 800-yard, 1,000-yard swim, but you're on a board, so it's not that tiring. When you're bleeding profusely out the nose and mouth, it's tiring because you're really, really scared that a shark is going to come eat you. Um, I gave up surfing after yeah, that. Yeah, man. I, uh, there's this... Uh, game called Subnautica. It's a pretty pretty popular like indie game. It's all like underwater and there's like sea monsters and I like it's a really great game. You know, we both like video games and like I'm like I want to play this just because everyone's talking about it and it's so cool and it's kind of uh, you know a really notable indie game. It, 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 it I played it for like a few days and it just freaked me out so much like diving underwater and running out of air and there's like all these monsters like and that you know that was virtual like so going right. out in the ocean and t i don't know i part of it i like it because i'm like well that freaks me out like i should go try to do that see yeah. what happens but then another part of me is like i tried the video game for him and i kind of had to stop playing <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so do you have i can't remember what it's called but there's a there's a name for it where it's a fear of it's like basically if you get scared kind like of when you look phobia or something like yes, that thalassophobia i think you're you're right on it there and it's like when you look down below you in like a lake or something and you can't see the bottom they, they kind of loop it all under fear of the unknown, which is what I think that term stands for. Do you have that, especially in the ocean, or do you get that in, like, lakes or rivers or anything else when you've been in water? Never bothered me in a lake. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I have the, there's kind of this weird duality going on of, like, yes, I have that a little bit, but I'm also, like, really curious. You yeah. Know, like, what's under there? Yeah. Like, but I also don't want to get eaten. I, I don't know if I put it to the test that much, <laughs> you know, like, Dude, you know, um, where... I've definitely done a lot of lake swimming, but yeah, the ocean feels different. So I, I grew up on a lake basically, you know, it was like six miles from my house and we were out on it all the time. And we had, my family had built a little dock that was like 
20 by 20, and it was anchored out offshore. And that lake that I grew up on was Wallowa Lake, and it was formed by a glacier. And there's some places where they still haven't even found the bottom yet. They just assume it's down there. and they Because, I mean, it was like a, a fucking mountain of ice slid off of a real mountain and then melted into a puddle. And that was the lake. And so super deep. And I didn't have that fear ever in my life until one time when I was really young. I jumped off the dock, and I saw the anchor chain. And the anchor chain just went down into the depths and just disappeared. And I shat myself. Like, I don't know why it was, but I remember that moment better than than many childhood moments because it shocked this weird fear into me. And for me, that's where I don't like it. Like, if, if I can see something and then it disappears below the depths and I don't know what fucking happened to it because I can't put it together with my eyes, I, I really do, like... Now that I'm an adult, it doesn't, like, scare me like it did when I was a kid, but it gives me the, the willies, you know? Your spine kind of tingles a little bit. I ugh, I don't know. I, and I've been scuba diving. Like, I've scuba dived two or three different times, um, always in, like, really tropical, sunny places, though, where there's a lot of sun and the, it's white sand on the bottom of the ocean, so you can see all the way down. Like, you couldn't strap a fucking scuba tank on me in the Puget Sound up in Washington and be like, go 100 feet down. I'd be like, I don't know if there's a mad scientist with a team of fucking evil dolphins down there. No, not doing it. Well, there's like an offshoot of that being scared of like the, it's like sub mechanophobia. Have you heard of that one? Just like machines and like shipwrecks and like, that's fear of like that stuff underwater. Okay. Uh, I'm a part of both Reddit groups. <laughs> I probably have like, that. Cause like, it's, I like it, but it scares me. Like it's, yeah. it's like, I, I look at these things every time I log on to Reddit. So it's almost like a bad smell that like, for some reason you keep smelling, you know, like that old hat or whatever that you worked in for, <laughs> for years. It's like, I don't know why I smell that thing once in a while, just to make sure that I'm still alive, I guess. Probably the same thing as you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I mean, it, with your experience in Florida, it's one thing. I didn't write a lot down because I didn't figure you and I would have uh, a real tough time talking uh, for, you know, an hour or so. But, um, you know, Florida is uh, uh, notorious, I guess would be the correct word for just, I mean, if something happens where, like, you know, somebody does something really crazy and stupid, everybody always thinks that it probably happened in Florida, and then they kind of work their way west. How much of that have you experienced? Because, I mean, I've read articles this year that are like, a guy tried to rob a Wendy's in Florida by throwing an alligator through the drive through window. Like, I, that's, 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 awesome. a, that's Florida shit. How much Florida shit have you seen or been a part of? That's the most important question. Uh, I'd say there's, like, two... Florida stereotypes that I've run into and I was like that's like that person belongs here uh it's like really rich people like just you know like I'm in West Palm Beach if you go over the bridge it's Palm Beach regular Palm Beach I don't know what <laughs> like and uh you know everything there's insanely expensive huge houses um you know like people who like to go to like Mar-a-Lago it's down like I walk down the beach and it's Mar-a-Lago's right there so it's like you know if you want to go there and spend all that money to do that like those people are here the other Florida people, and I think they're the people who are perpetuate this, these stories of like, you know, throwing an alligator through a Wendy's are like, they look like, they, they look like they're an escape the fate, kind of. <laughs> like, they look like they bought in super hard when they were like 17, got like a neck tattoo, 
And then they're like, oh, I can't grow up anymore. Like, <laughs> I, I love Escape the Fate, but like, I'm glad I didn't get a neck tattoo. And like, you know, like, like these dudes are like in their 30s and 40s and like, you know, they got eyeliner and good for them. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but like, uh, I, I see these guys and I'm like, you know, like, I don't think Warp Tour is gone anymore. Like, Warp Tour is, no, I think they, they ended it, it right? Not they even because of COVID. It. I think it just like wasn't making any money anymore. Like, these people no longer have anywhere to go and but they all live in florida like, okay that's like the other stereotype i see is like the escape the fake guy just like on the train okay so you're you're kind of in a part of florida where maybe you're not like in missing teeth in the bayou type florida you're kind of in. oh uh, no yeah i haven't seen any bayou people i gotta drive inland or something because that's definitely got to be around here but no i'm in like a i'm, I'm in a kind of a ritzy area to be honest i'm Okay. Living it up. Well, yeah, I mean, like a true jerk. drive to Gainesville or something like that and just tell us what happens all along the way. I'm sure you'll see all sorts <laughs> of fun stuff alongside the road. And then once you get there, that college is just an exploding party town. So, I mean, it, it you know, Gainesville Rock City, if you were a less than Jake fan. Um, that's, that's funny, man. I've only been to Florida just once. I went to, uh, my parents took us when we were kids to uh, uh, Disney World and like Epcot Center and everything down there. And it was this whole bit where my dad took a water skiing lesson and he lost the keys to the rental car in the lake. They fell out of his pocket. And then my mom got super drunk at a Red Lobster on martinis and we had to prop her up in the hotel room. It was just an experience. But I remember the whole thing as like the Florida family vacation. Like that one stands out in my mind. Why? Because Florida shit happened when we were there. Like it, it wasn't Did he water ski in the ocean. Uh, no, it was lake? it was a man-made lake. They have a ton of of man-made lakes down there. Water like water skiing and wakeboarding is super popular in Florida, um, but it's not done on the ocean at, nearly at all. And I think there's some cable parks down there too for wakeboarding and, and stuff like that where they don't need a boat. They uh. just have a cable that tows you around the park. Um, but yeah, they're mostly man-made lakes, which sucks because uh, you know. If you're just swimming in like a like a freshwater like natural lake, yeah, there could be some bacteria in the water. It could be kind of gross, but man-made lakes almost always have like gross shit in the water, and you'll get like swimmer's ear. And if you get yeah. too much of it in your mouth, you might get a little bit of the runs. And it's like that's the one thing that sucks about about uh, a lot of the lakes in Florida. I mean, you're you're at sea level for like an entire state there, so you're not getting a lot of like natural lakes opening up everywhere, but. I mean, I don't know too yeah, much man, about the geography. I go in the ocean way before I went in a lake. Like, I was in Orlando know, a couple of years ago, and like, I was uh, I was like needed to like figure out how to get to the airport to the hotel. I was like filming something, and uh, I was looking at all the lakes because they all you know they're all like named you know this this and that. And, like every single lake had a news story about like a gator being in it and eating somebody. <laughs> like I would like like these little like man made lakes in like a suburb, you know, like you throw a lake in and the house is worth more. Right. Like it's like, oh yeah, some some little kid went in the lake and got eaten by a gator. Like I don't know, man. Like I, I'm not going in any fresh water here. Yeah. Like no. I'll go in the pool and then like we talked about, maybe I'll try the ocean at some point. But uh <laughs> I, I'm sketched out by lakes around here. I feel like you even have to be careful around pools and stuff like that. Cause it's a, if it's a pool is like, you know, maybe it hasn't been frequented by a bunch of people like like, what's going to stop a gator from jumping in a pool? You know, it's water. It's It might get, the chlorine might irritate it a little bit, but I'm sure people have walked outside and been like, there's a fucking gator in my pool. That really puts a damper on my Saturday. Yeah, my pool's on the fourth floor. Sorry, right over to my left here. Uh, you have your so own pool. Like that's, that's the most Florida thing. Like, I, I, I didn't even know that until just now, but that's amazing. Fourth floor pool. Yeah, I was like... I was like, how is it? On? I was like, it's the fourth floor. Because when I looked at this apartment, it looked like it was on the second floor. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like noisy or something. But it's on the fifth floor 
looking out to the fourth floor pool. So I was like, I like a gator's gonna have to get in like an like a get in the elevator. <laughs> you know, gonna need a key card for the pool, have pool you, area to like get up here. Have you randomly run across the gator yet? No, I haven't. I I, uh, I it would be cool. I, I'm not. There's supposedly like you see on golf courses, people like kind of mess with them. Like, yeah, I don't think it's like crocodiles are way more aggressive. Is the uh, what people say, right? Yeah, no, it, it's true. Alligators are kind of lumbering and stuff. Like you just don't want to be in front of them. And if they take off after you, you're supposed to zigzag because they, you know, they they can't run like that because their legs are all outside. Like they're really goofy and awkward when they run. But the thing is, is what people don't understand is that I think they'll they're not like an iguana where they like whip you with their tail. But like if you're standing behind it and you try to like poke it with a golf club and it swings its tail, like it's gonna sweep the leg like Mortal Kombat. You know, it's like you're getting hit with a log. Um, and, but I, I know that they're not really dangerous unless you're actually in water. That's where they'll, and they can sneak up on you when, when they're in water too. So, um, but dude, yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, that's where I would have, where was going to ask is if you, I know, I, I don't know if you're playing golf or if you have golf clubs down there in Florida, but I would almost guarantee that if you're, if you're out there on a golf club in Florida, pretty soon you're going to run into a gator out there somewhere. Like it's, it's water and kind of, you know, just wildlife all over the place every golf course I've ever played. So um, you, you maybe should go rent some clubs if you really want to see a gator. It kind of sounds like you want to see one, like you were talking about earlier. Like, yeah, it scares me, but it's I also kind of want to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so yeah, is technically like getting in a fight with a guy in a Budweiser hat, but you haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No no bar fights, no <laughs> gators yet. I, I just got to check one of those boxes. <laughs> we were at, you know, I'll go back to New York and people be like, what would you even... Like, yeah, right. You, you didn't even go. Like, the thing of lying or something. Like, no, I, I got in a bar fight with a gator in a Budweiser hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you're talking a little bit about your work. You say you do a podcast, and we will share all of the stuff in the description. So, don't worry. You'll be able to look up Kirk's podcast. And please do uh, do do us a favor and go give him a follow, because if he's going to make money from it, that's a that's a very easy way to support this podcast, is by supporting the people that come on it and, and uh, give me their time. Um, what is your podcast about? I know it's kind of more of a professional podcast. It's not really geared towards entertainment, but, um, in the world of podcasting, like I find myself very interested in those kind of podcasts, not necessarily that I I have just a laundry list of them that I listen to, but it's an interesting way to like reach out to your customers and to find ways to engage with people in the audience that might be interested in your product. And, and I know you work for a very interesting company. So talk about what you do a little bit because you started out in radio, like, I mean, fresh out, like you were what, just 21 or you actually started when you were even, uh, under 21, didn't you? Um, I think I was over 21. Cause I remember we were drinking Bud Light. Well, yeah, Bud I, just, Light studio. I thought that there was a 21st birthday in there, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking about somebody else, but anyway, you were, you were really young when you got into radio, um, you know, if you were of drinking age, of course you were. We were not ever feeding a 20-year-old Kirk Bud Lights. That's not something that we would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe 22, 23. But, yeah, so I, I got into radio, doing radio with you guys. I love that. And then uh, I moved out to New York and uh, basically started, like, freelancing, shooting videos. Like, I always want to do more video stuff. And a lot of the radio stations you know, they don't want to do any video stuff. You know, they were like, Oh, you can do it for free. Or they'd like pay me a hundred dollars and then like never actually give it to me. And uh, you know, all this, there was like a struggle. And at one point they're just like, Hey, like, I don't like, this is never going to happen. 
Like there's never going to be like a position here where someone's like shooting videos and like making web content. So uh, with that in mind, I kind of uh, got this opportunity to move out to New York. I was doing freelancing. I don't. We can. I don't know if you looked at. If you, we can dig into whatever. But uh, the, eventually, I got to the company I'm currently at, and they were like, "Hey, we want to make like a podcast," and uh, it's kind of all about like big tech and kind of how you how you can fight back. The company itself, Applico, uh, they work with like traditional companies. Think like uh, Ford, a lot of B two B companies, a lot of companies that Amazon is eating their lunch right now. And uh, we connect them with like tech startups to kind of create digital business models for them. And uh, the podcast version of that is like, how can these companies fight against big tech? And how can you like, if you look at like Google, Facebook, Amazon, all these guys, like they're, they control a lot of things. They, they're the size of small countries now. And uh, so we cover all the news related to that, which is like anything from like earnings, like stock picks to regulation. There's always, you know, the EU's coming after them, the US, uh, there's a lot of funny hearings at the Senate of like, you know, Congress people asking like stupid questions, like they've never used a computer to like Mark Zuckerberg and say, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we just cover all of that stuff. And uh, it's been super cool. Um, you know, when I moved to New York, I start, I wanted to like kind of get into startups and tech more. And these guys have been a great fit to like really be able to tune into that and make it into a show and be creative, uh, through all that content. That's awesome, man. Um, well, and, and where can, uh, where can the man room podcast fans find your podcast? I know you said it earlier, but we might as well get another plug in. Uh, it's on, if you start, it's called winner take all. Uh, we talk a lot about platforms and how that's kind of the, business model of the 21st century. So uh, in platforms, you build these networks, think like Uber, you have riders, you have drivers, and Uber just connects them. They don't own cars, they don't, you know. Um, and platforms are winner take all markets, meaning, you know, a lot of these companies get a lot of flack for being unprofitable. They're just burning VC money. And uh, the reason they're doing that is because whoever builds the biggest network, they become basically a natural monopoly because the more drivers there are in Uber, the faster they can get to you and the cheaper it is. So it's better for the consumer. You know, problems do arise with them abusing the uh, producers, the drivers, the sellers, whatever platform you're talking about. Right. Uh, and we, we get into that on the podcast, talking about some of those issues. Uh, but the podcast is called Winner Take All because they're winner take all markets. When, when you study these things uh, in China, platforms are a bit farther ahead than where they are in the U.S., there's usually one or two winners, which is a winner take all market. So the podcast is called Winner Take All. It's on our company page, which is Applico, A P P L I C O, uh, which is on YouTube. So uh, cool. and it's also you can find it on. Uh, I think like we just one day we're like, hey, we're making videos. Why don't we just put an audio version out? So you can find it on any podcast thing. I don't know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I think those actually get more listeners now than the youtube videos like this thing we're just kind of like yeah, let's do it for fun whatever we'll put out an audio version so yeah you should be able to find it anywhere podcasts are uh what there's a lot of work put in the youtube channel though if you that's i'd say that's the place to tune in if you really want to dig in there's clips there's a couple like special videos you can't find in like the full length podcast so uh yeah check us out on youtube that's awesome man i i'm i get so interested in hearing you talk about that stuff um do you think that that 
just based on what you've seen in the in the platforming world and being this winner take all market, do you think that sooner or later the American government is going to step in and make it even harder for us to catch up with places like China because of the uh, you know the antitrust laws and and you know the basically the banishment of monopolies since the days of the Rockefellers, you know? I mean, it's it doesn't seem like it. I mean, you see a place like Twitter, you see a thing like Amazon, and you're like, that's absolutely a monopoly. But there's other businesses out there getting by doing some similar things. Where do you see it going? Do you see, uh, you know, a prevention of us catching up? Do you see the government finally kind of coming around and maybe allowing a monopoly when it's the best thing? What do you think? Well... One thing about China and how they've progressed so fast is they really support their their like tech platforms. They do a lot of tech protectionism. They really, you know, and uh, obviously there's government things going on. And, you know, some people say there's a lot of funding there and they're, you know, really owned by the state. That's another subject you can get into if you want to get into it. Uh, but basically, like the you know, regulation is often stifles innovation. So it's like if you overregulate these things, then no one's going to make a startup in the United States and make some the next cool new thing. It's going to get made in South America or China or you know Africa. A lot of a lot of cool uh, stuff going on there. And uh, with that said, like antitrust law, what we we've tried to reach a lot of like Congress people and senators and tried to get this message out there. Those people aren't particularly easy to reach. But uh, if you take the existing antitrust precedent and apply it to platforms, they always look at the customer. So they say, oh, like, Marcus, you use Google, and you get Google Docs and Google Sheets and Gmail. And so obviously, you're getting all this value in exchange for your data that they're doing. They never look at the producers on platforms as a customer. And really, that's like, if you look at Amazon, like the third-party sellers, they're making a bunch of money on the third-party sellers. They're charging them to store shit in the warehouses, you know, fulfillment, all this stuff. That's Amazon's customer. So if you apply the antitrust laws to Amazon and the third-party sellers, you can absolutely say, hey, Amazon, you're, what you're doing is not okay. But if you try to apply it to the what traditionally and, you know, taking the, you know, the quick look at it, what the customer is, it's, you know, like obviously we get a ton of value out of Amazon and they make all these people compete and it's super cheap. But they're they're squeezing the producers, and that's what needs to be looked at as far as like antitrust goes. Like uh, I don't know if you saw this company called Peak Designs. They made a great video about how Amazon like ripped them off. Basically, they make this camera bag. Amazon copied the camera bag almost exactly, and then sells it for like you know thirty percent less is like the Amazon Basics camera bag, ripping off their design and all their IP. You know, making it cheaper and you know. Uh, sketchy countries you know like right. you know sourcing uh less environmentally friendly materials and uh like amazon's competing with the sellers like that's a clear antitrust case that's saying hey like you guys should not be doing that but uh it's just they're not seeing it uh yeah. the u.s at least is not seeing it uh the eu's doing some things uh the eu doesn't move super fast though <laughs> um and they also you know they also make mistakes so uh well, see, I, I would say the EU has a better chance right now, from what I've seen, of like, kind of evening the playing field with on these on these marketplaces and platforms, and hopefully the US, uh, maybe, maybe the EU gets it right and we just copy it or something. Uh, but there's a there's a lot of regulatory capture, it would seem, and also if you watch these things, it's just they're just stupid. 
you yeah. know, the, the questions they ask are stupid. Uh, you know, I, I posted a thing on our TikTok page of like one of the senators, uh, it's like Zuckerberg, uh, Sundar from Google, and uh, I think, oh, Jack Dorsey, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. We, we have a lot of fun making, we have a good time with Jack Dorsey and his, uh, <laughs> you know, doing like congressional hearings from an ayahuasca hut in his backyard or whatever the hell that guy does. But uh, anyway, it's like the senator asked Mark Zuckerberg a YouTube question. It's like, hey, Mar Mark, what's going on with this YouTube thing? It's like, He's like, in like Zuckerberg, he's like, well, you're asking me about YouTube? And the guy's like, yeah. So then he like answers the question. He's like, yeah, like I watch YouTube with my kids. But it's, you know, it's like they're not even asking the right goddamn right. guy the question. So like. They're asking the uh, wrong question I mean, to the wrong guy. It's amazing how misguided some people in, in uh, or legislators are. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know. Those guys have to keep track of so much stuff. They have so many hearings. I get it. Uh, so, I mean, maybe it's a point of voting for people who are more focused on these tech issues. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a senator, so it's, it's easy to call out political, you know, people in politics and say, hey, they're dumb. They're but uh, as far as like the tech landscape, it's just in the U.S., it's really far away from even having an understanding of what's going on. And, you know, and then the next step would be like figuring out how to regulate that and sure. you know help these people that are being discriminated against or cheated by these big tech monopolies. Well, the, the cheated thing is, is the thing that really gets to me because I feel like just as much as you have these antitrust cases, you're also creeping in on copyright infringement and, you know, trademarks and stuff like that, where it's like back when I was, uh, when I was really young in college, didn't have any money. And we paid somebody like a hundred bucks to record a three song demo of our band's album. He told us right when he handed us the CD, he goes, I want you to go home, I want you to make a copy of this, and I want you to put it in an envelope, I want you to stamp it, I want you to put it in the mail, and I want you to send it to yourself. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you're going to keep that in your drawer and you're going to have it forever, and just in case anybody tries to steal it from you, you're going to have a sealed postmarked piece of proof that you wrote these songs and you're the ones that re were responsible for recording them. And I think about... That Because, I mean, overall, like, who even knows if that would hold up in a court a lot? It sounds pretty shoddy to me. But the idea of just being able to prove that you made something when you're dealing with somebody like Amazon who has unlimited resources and unlimited sourcing where they can make it so much cheaper than you and completely cut you off at the knees like that camera bag you're talking about, I feel like you are you have more legal ground to stand on than just antitrust. You've also got these, like, that's, that's intellectual property. Like you said, you mentioned it. Like, they're just stealing IP, and that's not okay either. And I think, and I've this is, look, I, we don't get political on this show very often, and there's good reason behind that. I don't want to put a damper on the conversation. I don't have a problem saying that I think that most of the people that run the country are antiquated dickheads that don't understand that we have to grow with technology and we have to take advantage of the science that has provided us all these amazing opportunities. And yeah, while industry can still grow, uh, you do also have to protect the little guy. And it, it seems like a lot of times with the way laws are made that like corporations are just like they're buddy buddy with the politicians so it's like if you if something happens and it gets up to that level of a politician might have to step in well the corporation's just gonna be like hey jed you want to go golfing and then they take him off for a golf weekend and they spend thousands of dollars on him and all of a sudden the decision's made in their favor if you don't think that shit happens you're naive because it does and it's another thing that stands in the way of being able to compete with 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 china for instance and and you know without 
at the risk of sounding paranoid, which I really don't think I am, that's a global superpower as much as anybody else's at this point in time. We used to, like 10 years ago, we were like, China's still farming. We'll be fine. And now it's like, you guys better pay the fuck attention to China. Like that's, it's getting serious over there. They're innovating like nobody's business. I mean, you're in tech. I'm sure you've seen shit come out of China that completely explodes your brain based on what you've seen come out of the U.S. Yeah, I mean... uh uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm pimping the, our podcast the whole time, but we did a great video on like the marketplaces there. And like, you can look at a lot of like how platforms are going there and kind of get an idea of what hopefully should happen in the U S as long as we keep up, you know, like they have kind of bespoke marketplaces by industry. It's like, you want to buy metal, you want to buy textiles, you want to buy you know, whatever, whatever dental supplies. And like, they have all these different ones and like, that's kind of the next step in America is like, can we make all these specific marketplaces? Uh, I mean, the B2B industry is huge and like tech in the United States is not uh, up. Like consumer tech is not, is way higher than like the B2B space. So like that's a huge opportunity right now is like B2B marketplaces and just kind of digitizing those businesses. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. We talk about China a lot. There's, that's probably like half the videos is us talking about China stuff. Is it like, and, a, does it come from a bit of a paranoid place for you guys too, where you're like, China's way out in front and we just keep throwing rocks at them instead of trying to catch up with them? Like, do you guys have that air or is it more of like a controlled, you're not drinking on your podcast type feel? Oh, we get pretty fired up on China. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, we've been, uh, and... I, I, you know, there's studies on this. I, I don't want to, you know, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Uh, there's a lot of reports of what's called the 50 cent army in China or the 50 cent party. Have you heard of these guys? No, it is not. It's not the it's same like 50 cent that I know, right? What? It's not the same 50 cent that I know that got shot eight times, right? No, no, not, not, not get rich or die trying. Okay. All right. Uh, it's called the 50 cent party because uh, supposedly you get paid 50 cents per post. And it's like a, it's like a state sponsored propaganda group that targets uh foreign outside of china social media so like we've made videos saying things about china that you know uh aren't agreeable they're, they're not aggressive or mean or uh you know uh, inappropriate but it's just like you know things like hey like you know here's a story about some security concerns that happened with like zoom or tiktok or something or looking at like wish which uh, i would not invest in wish uh we have a video on that uh, and we get we get comments from these people uh, that are just you can notice a pattern of like certain they have certain avatars uh, the English is often not correct but we'll just get blown up by these people like you know like all of a sudden there'll 50, be like a huge comments flood, yeah of comments and stuff like that and and they watch the videos and they say like oh he touched his hair there that you that's how you know he's lying. You know, like and a lot of whataboutism as well. Yeah. Like, what about WikiLeaks? What about, you know, like, like the U.S. does a lot of shitty things. Like, right. I'm not, I think we can all agree that this country's made plenty of mistakes. But like, you know, like it, they just, it's like all that. So like, I, we've absolutely been taking notice or they've taken notice of us. That's and, amazing. Uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Like if you watch, uh, Brian, I think it was Brian Fogel, the guy who made Icarus, he made a new documentary called The Dissident. It's all about the Khashoggi murder. Uh-huh. And uh, it exposes, like, the Saudis' 50 Cent, their version of the 50 Cent party, which is, like, just a bunch of people tweeting 
at tweeting at anybody who says anything about like the uh, what the royal family or whatever it is. Uh, that's an insane documentary. I'd highly recommend that. Uh, I don't have anything to do with it, obviously, but it's uh, if you listen to him on Rogan, he talks about how no one would would take it. No one would put it on streaming. Like uh, yeah, he was the super Netflix afraid. guy. Like, like basically, Reed Hastings. Reed Hastings is at Sundance, watches the film, tells him how amazing it is. Then when he goes to Netflix and says, hey, can we stream? Could you want to pick it up to stream? Like Netflix is streaming his other documentary. Like, no, we're not touching that. No one will touch it. You know, it's crazy. So, um, like, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, like uh, this is part of the podcast uh, that we do at Apple Co. So like I'm, I'm all attuned to all this kind of like geopolitical different uh you know happenings and uh it's i don't know yeah it's, it's super engaging and interesting to get into you know so as as a guy like somebody that is paid to look at you know numbers and and realize like what listening what listenership and and you know growth in your channel entails what exactly is it that i need to say about china to get a flood of listeners and comments on a man room podcast because it's like china bad <laughs> china bad stealing people's things china's bad is that enough or do I have to actually have like a well thought out proposition? Because I can do that too. I just want to make sure and say it like I'm going to do it in the homework section right at the top so that they know and then they'll listen to the whole thing and that'll hopefully bump the numbers up a little bit. Because, hey, not to say anything to my to my listeners, you guys are great. There's just not a whole lot of you at this point. So and uh, I share a last name with more of you than I'd like to admit. So, um, you know. In all things serious, so like, how long did it take you, and what type of stuff did you have to say until you finally realized, like, wow, we just got somebody's attention of this fifty cent party? Uh, I'll tell you, the one that really launched it was um, there was all the people talking about TikTok and like, hey, is this, is there security issues here? Should we be worried about you know being connected to China? And we came out and said, like, if you're gonna worry about TikTok, you should be worried about Zoom too, because uh, all the engineering for Zoom is done in China. They are technically based in San Francisco, but the, all the engineers are in China. Uh, there's been issues that have come up where they've canceled, like a, there was like a Tiananmen Square meeting, you know, webinar, and they that got canceled immediately. Uh, I think they just like maybe three, four months ago, uh, just like fired. I uh, don't know if he was on the C-suite, but it was like a, a higher up guy and they had to get rid of him because he was he was meddling with things and uh you know uh, so so we said that before any of that came out and uh I'll, I'll tell you one thing too if you put it on tiktok they'll find it faster <laughs> okay i All think right. they got some special tools uh for tiktok you know uh so yeah so like that's the first one that blew up when we talked about wish that uh we looked at like the wish the s1 before the ipo uh Alex, the host, he's the CEO of our company. Uh, he was not, he did not think it was a very good company to invest in. And uh, that one got a lot of attention. Uh, those are the two that come top of mind that were really like, whoa, like there's a lot of uh, attention on this. There's like whole pages dedicated to like Reddit pages and stuff like that dedicated to the garbage that comes from Wish when you buy something and you think you're going to get. X and then you get Y from Wish. So I think that there's enough experience out there. I mean, yeah, not to say that every single thing that they sell is a ripoff, but 
I mean, I've seen some of the clothes that come off Wish, and it's like in the picture, they look like fashion model stuff. And when it shows up to your house, it looks like it was put together by, you know, a, a drunken man. It's like it, it doesn't fit. My wife ordered something one time and held it up, and one sleeve was like four inches longer than the other one. I mean, it's literally like you could go to an outlet mall and spend outlet mall money and get way, way more for your money than you will behind Wish. And another thing that you said there that I want to touch on, because – you and I have talked about, you know, when, when I was starting this podcast and everything, I was talking to you about a few things and, and picking your brain. And one of the recommendations that you did give me is you said, listen, I don't want to spend a lot of time on TikTok. I'm the last guy that wants to do that. But you got to be on TikTok if you want to grow your listenership. Now, I do have the Man Room podcast page. It's it's all set up and ready to go. I just can't figure out what the fuck I want to put on it. And now that I have some video, we're definitely going to be using these video clips because uh, it's 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 like you said. It's like if you're not there, you're almost not trying hard enough. What what are your true feelings on TikTok, and why do you think there is so much organic uh, and and I guess unique audience there to uh, to pick from? Yeah, I mean. Uh as much as uh, you know there you can look at a tiktok and potentially say that there's you know state-sponsored subterfuge happening uh if you just look at it as like a social platform it's insane the amount of exposure you can get on it uh and i, I don't know maybe maybe i sound like a, sound like a jerk saying like hey tiktok's maybe like a state-sponsored like evil spy thing but also i'm going to use it to, yeah. <laughs> to grow my stuff but uh it's just like it, it's like Instagram, Facebook, Google, like all those things are pay to play nowadays. TikTok, you can, I wouldn't say you'd be a first mover joining right now, but it's just there's way more organic exposure because they're trying to grow that thing. Um, and let, let me iterate, I don't think that everyone at TikTok is evil, um, but I, you know, it, there's definitely interesting articles about if there's something going on there. And uh, if you're just trying to grow your brand or your podcast or whatever you're doing, like, it's awesome. You know, as much as we got like comments from the 50 cent party, we also got a lot of real comments of people like, wow, this is great. Like, where can I subscribe? Where can I do? Which like, you know, coming from someone who built a YouTube channel from nothing, like YouTube's still not that active. It's like no one writes comments on the videos. It's like, it just, it feels like you're just there putting it out and no one's looking at it sometimes. And like, the longer you do that, the more you start thinking, like, oh, man, should, just, should we just quit doing this? Like, don't, And then you throw something on TikTok and people like, you know, it's like, I don't know. There's like, I guess maybe less inhibitions, just like slap a comment up or something. And I, and I don't know why that is, but uh, it's absolutely a great way to grow, to grow a brand right now. Um, so a lot of cool creators on there too. Um, yeah, there is. I, and you know. I hate to admit it, but I've, I've spent more time than, than I should have as a 36 year old white guy browsing TikTok and just watching the videos. There's some people, there's a guy on there. I think his, his handle is Jake's funny. And he has this series of videos like how long until I get kicked out where he just fucks with his dad. And like so much so that it, it groomed to popularity level where he was actually able to buy a billboard in his hometown with his dad's face on it that said something like faces of erectile dysfunction. And that was like this, like always he, I've seen him with a llama in his house. Like the dad will walk in, he'll just be standing there with a llama in the living room or maybe it's an alpaca. I don't know. But it, it's. I find stuff like that very funny, but it's tough as well because it's like, man, one of my problems with the way that mainstream media is these days and how like news is consumed is the fact that everything is, is like, I need you to tell me the biggest story in the day. 
I need you to tell me the most impactful story of the day, and I need you to do it all in three minutes. And it's not there's not enough time for it. And I feel like what's funny about these TikTok clips, because it's is it a minute or is it 90 seconds is the most that you can have on it's TikTok? It's 59 seconds. 59 seconds. If you seconds. make a 60-second clip, you will get a second cut off, and I've learned that the hard way when, like, you know, the last word is cut off my video and it looks so weird right it's it's, it's 59 exactly last time i checked but for comedy you can capture the genius of of a good joke in a minute that's easy to do and so it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of good uh there's a lot of good content creators on there what i've noticed is there's only certain like stand-up comedians that have real success with it because it's guys that have shorter jokes if you're a storyteller on stage you're going to have like a series of TikTok videos to get through your joke. And, uh, but I, I mean, just regular comedy stuff. Like I've seen a lot of funny shit on there. And you know, what's weird too, is a weird side of me comes out on TikTok. I start following like, I mean, I love watching cooking shows and stuff like that. But the reason I love that is because it teaches me the skills of how to maybe do this type of stuff. Whereas the TikTok food stuff, it's all just about like the look you're just looking at the food for like a minute you're not getting any there they might show you you know pouring some flour into a bowl or salting a piece of meat or something but there's no fundamental exercises there where it's really teaching you what to do more it's just showing you like hey look at uh, I, I broke it down into four easy steps and look at this awesome thing i made dude i can waste hours on it i don't fucking get what it is in my brain because i mean when you sent me that i wasn't on tiktok until you sent me that so actually this is your fault but I, I, you know, okay. I appreciate it because I am going to utilize it for the man room. Um, but it's it it feels a little bit insidious, to be honest with you. So when you say like TikTok might be bad, like because of China, I'm like, yeah, I can get that. I I was addicted to it after the first bump. Like it, it's amazing how quick it gets under your skin. So I, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, is is that something about the the format of the platform itself is that just because it's it's a minute and it's just meant for that never-ending scrolling type thing like what what is your opinion as a tech guy on why it's so successful yeah, yeah. i mean the one thing is definitely the ui just like it's always scrolling that there's always something so they, they did a great job with that whoever whoever did that designed the app super talented team i'm sure and uh yeah i mean like you're talking about like you know squeezing things down to a minute like i micro content is kind of interesting and i i agree with you i don't think it's good to take something that it takes four or five minutes to really understand and get the context of and squeeze that down to a minute like that is that's bad for society and that's unhealthy if it takes five minutes to understand and we're only going to give you a minute of the violence or whatever you know like or whatever the whatever the uh, most juicy part is like i don't think that, that is a good thing. And that is happening on TikTok. you know, like the attention span of people's like, I don't know, I don't have that long, but on the other side of that, like it's, it's an interesting to say like, well, what can I do in 60 seconds instead of, you know, trying to squeeze something into 60 seconds and make like a less good version of, you know, like a five minute clip. Like it's interesting to look at and say, well, what can people do in 60 seconds? And I think that's where it's kind of, uh, spurred this new generation of creators, and it's, uh, it, I think of it like, like punk rock, you know, or pop punk, like pop punk songs sound a certain way. So like, how do you innovate within that bubble? Like how do you innovate within the micro content TikTok bubble? That's where you get cool stuff. Not when you say, oh, well, my band's, my country band's going to start playing pop punk. Like, that's going to sound bad. You know, like <laughs> right. my, my like 10 minute news clip is going to be a one minute TikTok thing. People are going to be confused. You're going to spread uh, misinformation. Like 
but if you say like what can i do within these constraints like uh, and start you know start from the first step and say like all right i'm going to build it within the bubble i think that's where you kind of get cool stuff with micro content and really seeing what you can do in that but at the same time like it is frustrating as it's like you know like if you go viral on tiktok everyone it's one minute right like, they know they know you the for next one thing. minute yeah compared to like you could publish like a documentary on youtube that everyone watches for an hour and a half and you're getting a lot more screen time from people so tiktok you kind of had to like bring the hits in a way which is a whole nother thing like it's it's certainly interesting uh i think that they you can do damage with it as well as you can uh use it to really create something unique and cool that people haven't seen before yeah i noticed some people almost make their own it's like their own community within their tiktok page where they're making content that is replying to comments that were put on some of their other content and it's just like that kind of keeps the ball rolling for them although i will say i think if i could offer any advice to some of them um and you know this is just through what i've seen just you know doom scrolling if you will but i would say um quality over quantity on TikTok rather than like I, there's so many of these people that I that I even ones that I followed just because I wanted to get a good idea of what it was that they did to make their page successful and there's two different kinds there's ones that post like maybe two or three videos a day maybe a little less than that and they're really good and you can tell that they're thought out and oftentimes a little bit produced or maybe written and then there's guys that are putting out like 10 12 videos a day and it's just <laughs> mostly garbage with a couple of hits mixed in and I think that I, I really enjoy watching people try to navigate those waters because it's not easy. Like, it's just like anything else that you try. It was the same with the radio show. It's the same stand-up comedy-wise. If you're playing in a band, yeah, you can absolutely grab everything that you ever produce and put it in a bag and tell everybody that's my complete work. And it's going to vary widely because everybody has bad days. Everybody tells shitty jokes. Everybody gets hung over once in a while or sick. And so I've had fun seeing who can do better with it. I definitely think it's the app itself is geared towards more of that put out as much as you can because it's only a minute. And if somebody actually goes to your profile, you're going to want to have as many of those one-minute videos as you can stack up there. But the people that are going to spend a lot of time on your profile are probably only going to stay there if it's good content, not just kind of thrown together trash. And it, I, I don't know. It's interesting to me. That's all I can say. I, I literally don't know enough about it to make an educated statement about how I'm going to use it to do good things for me yet. I still have to have that, those ideas, but I have to hand it to some of these people. I've spent a lot of time making fun of TikTok before I ever jumped on, and I will still gladly make fun of it, but I think it's a lot more useful than what I ever gave it credit for in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an interesting kind of dynamic there as they kind of work the platform towards critical mass of like, who are you going to reward? Are you going to reward that quality content or are you going to reward the people just spewing stuff out? I mean, and I, I, they have like a creator fund now. I think if you have 10,000 subscribers, um, they're called followers, I think on TikTok, not subscribers, but uh, they'll start paying you a little bit. Uh, and uh, I think like how they tweak that, how they turn that knob, if they turn that towards the, hey, more and more content or the more and more quality, like that's really going to determine uh, how the platform comes into maturity. Yeah. And I'd like to see the the content mature as well because when tick the reason I was making fun of TikTok is I'd be scrolling on Facebook, which also not good for the brain, but scrolling on Facebook and then like it's like 
join TikTok. And then it's like, well, what's on TikTok? And they're like, here, check this video out. And it's a 15-year-old high school cheerleader doing a doing a 60-second dance that I'm like, I, if this is what's on there, then no. I feel like you guys are, are fishing out for pedophiles right now, which, hey, if there needs to be an app for that, I say create it, catch all the pedophiles that you can. But <laughs> I just never saw it as being anything that was interesting for me. It's like I, I don't need to see a bunch of, you know, basically younger generation. Like I don't need to see the high school and college generation do one minute dances to clips of their favorite songs. I don't like the music. I don't understand the dancing. It's not for me, but it's, if you're, if you sit there and you still have that thought right now, let me reassure you. There's a lot going on on TikTok that you might not have, have imagined. I, there's one guy that just stands behind a counter at a mini mart in uh, someplace in the deep South. And I think by all of the sports gear that I've seen, it's in Louisiana but he just stands behind his uh, behind his his um, counter at like a Seven Eleven or something, and every guy that walks in, and he only does it to men, he'll give them their change. He'll be like, "Thank you, sexy," and the guys will be like, "Man, you know I don't fuck with that. Get out of my face. I'm never coming back." And it's like it's never anything different. He says the same thing to every single person. And I can't stop watching it. I've probably watched 300 of his videos because every single person, like some of them will laugh, but most of them get really, really angry with the dude. And it's in that deep South accent and they don't give a fuck about anything that they say in public down there. And I absolutely love that about it. And, uh, you know, it's, look, I don't need any more ways to waste my time because I'm going to ask you later on, right, when we wrap up this podcast, if we're going to play Warzone later. So I don't need any more ways to waste my time, but TikTok has become one, and um, I, I feel like I should be scolded for it once in a while, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, check it out. I mean, the Man Room podcast will definitely be up there soon, but you should definitely check out uh, Applico on TikTok because I'm sure you probably get paid in some way, shape, or form for that too, right? Uh, I, I don't know if that I don't know if we tied that one into our KPIs. Uh, I think it's it's Alex Mozed. That's a, my boss, our CEO, uh, who does the podcast. Uh, I think it's like Alex underscore Mozed. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you can follow us on there. I haven't posted on it in a while, but yeah, it's it's interesting when you say like yeah, like that's the stereotype. It's like oh, it's a bunch of like fifteen year old chicks dancing to songs, and that's we got that like when we we were at a company meeting, like yeah, we just made a TikTok. Everyone's like, why are you making that? And then, like, we put a video up about AB5, the uh, contractor law in California, and, like, a ton of truck drivers started commenting on, like, yeah, this is BS. This is, like, messing up, you know, all my stuff. And it's, like, like, there's, like, these big communities on TikTok. Like, if you run a business, if you're trying to start a brand, like, there's an audience there, and you can reach them for free. You know, it's not it's not pay to play. It's not Instagram. You're not spending $100 a day on Google ads, like... Uh, I, we all like free stuff. So if, if you're trying to build something, I would highly suggest checking out TikTok. See if you can find your audience on there. There you go. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try out some other things too. I've, I've actually started now that I'm, I'm starting to learn this, uh, this technology a little bit. I've started thinking about like video game streaming just because the, of the fact that I have the ability to, with the technology that I've, I've amassed here trying to build out my studio. My only thing is I'm not good at most of the video games that I would want to stream. Like I die a lot. If, if we're talking about the ones where you shoot guns at other people, I am way more on the receiving end of those bullets than I ever end on the, am on the sending end. And, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of checked me up on my want to stream because I go watch some streamers and like, Largely the popular ones are good gamers. Some of them are in there for their personality, but that's a lot like the prom in high school. Like if somebody tells you that they're here for your personality, it's not as many people that are out watching the star quarterback throw touchdowns, if you know what I mean. So 
Uh, that, you, that's absolutely. I that's absolutely why I've done a couple streams. I think I had more fun like setting it up and making like you know sound drops and graphics and stuff. And then I actually got on it and I was like, like I sometimes video games make me mad. Like <laughs> I try to play video games that don't make me mad. Like if I sometimes I'll play a game and I'm like I'm not having fun. Like I should stop playing this. Like what you know and like I was like I don't want people to see that. I don't want people to see me getting pissed <laughs> off about like some dumb FPS game. Like so I was like I don't think I like I. That's kind of why I feel like it's not for me. Like. I could see like a buddy stream or like playing games with friends and like talking, talking at the same time or, you know, like, but it's like being like a regular streamer, like a Warzone or Fortnite or one of those guys, that is such a grind. Yeah. And like, it really is. And people don't crazy. understand it. They think it's like, oh, well, yeah, you just play video games for a living. Like, no, I've just because I've been trying to get a couple different video game streamers on the podcast and I've done some research into like some of these gaming teams, like, it's legit. They won't even look at you unless you have, and they don't care about your follower count. They don't care about the number of likes and subscriptions that you have. It says it right on some of their, like their info pages where you're like, how do I apply to be on your team? And it says, if you're not streaming eight hours a day, it at any time, it can be in the middle of the night. If that's when you want to do your eight hour shift, but these guys are doing shifts. Like I played a lot of fucking video games in my life. And I don't remember the last time that I went eight hours that is that is unbelievable, and like you said, it's the grind that you don't really uh, respect. I think maybe I I would I would enjoy doing it like you said with a with a bunch of buddies that we're on all the time. But once you get once you start to get into like real life and people have jobs and everything like that, it doesn't really fit as like a conducive model for playing with all your buddies when everybody's got to put the kids to sleep and, and you know, the kids aren't in bed till eight 30. And so the dinner's done by nine 30 and then we got one hour to play and then we're off. You know, it's, it's tough with a bunch of older friends like I have, or I shouldn't call them older. They're all my age. I'm older. Um, but I also think like, I was thinking about it the other day. How cool would it be to go like a different direction with your, with your video game stream, and this would get really expensive, so you'd need to have a lot of followers. But what if you only played old-gen consoles, and, like, the whole thing about it was how frustrating some of those old games are? Like, you remember the original Ninja Turtles on NES? Like, I, I, couldn't, yeah, yeah. I couldn't afford to break a controller back then because I was a child. But <laughs> if I would have been able to afford it like I could in college, I would have broken so many controllers. I was like, maybe that's the, maybe that's the, the lane right there is you just only buy old frustrating games and then you just completely destroy your controller hardware every time it makes you mad and that ends the stream. What do you think there? Is there, is that a, is there an idea there? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to break it to you. I think there's a lot of guys doing that, you know, <laughs> I, I like AVGN obviously is the origin, the angry video game nerd, angry Nintendo nerds. He like, you know, he did that on YouTube back in the day. I think there's a lot of guys doing it. If you want to play retro, um, there's a lot of speed runners on Twitch. Oh, okay. That's one way to, you know, if you can speed run. Um, yeah, I, it could work. It, it could work. I, I mean, like I'll, I'll give this one away for free just to the man show listeners. The man room. Um, I think show. if you really want to do something different and stick out and I've seen a couple people experimenting with this, I think it's like virtual celebrities is the thing. Like in South Korea, that shit is huge. Like basically cartoon celebrities. And uh, you can use Character Animator. It's an Adobe, like, I think it's still in beta. Uh, it's like kind of an experimental Adobe thing. It's basically, like, it'll take your webcam and convert that, and you take, like, a, you know, you take your mouth. It'll, like, scan your mouth. Like, you make it, what what sound are you making? Like an O, a, a P, a, you know, like, different vowels and whatnot. And then it'll translate that to the mouth of the character, and you, like, draw this whole thing. 
I think there's an opportunity there. If but it's it's like a big you know you start to be stream though. You just, yeah, you know, exactly. What five six hours a day. I think that's an interesting thing that if back to kind of the tech conversation of like what's what's coming next to the states like someone's going to get a virtual celebrity right and it's going to it's going to make a ton of money okay um, I don't Maybe know exactly what it I is mean, I don't think it's like a K-pop anime chick you know <laughs> like which was what what takes off in in uh, Asia but I don't know I th- I think that's a big opportunity for Twitch like if you want to stand out like that's what people say is like as these platforms mature, like you got to just do something different just yeah. to be different or else it just looks like everyone else. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, it's always interesting or, or you just find the next platform, but I don't, you know, Microsoft shut down mixer. Like they, hey, that they was crazy. Which one? Yeah, that was crazy. The day that that happened, I was watching, uh, I was actually watching mixer. I was watching some of the dudes that, uh, I, I, you know, follow. And it was like everybody right at the same time just their eye they went to their phone and their eyes got huge and they just sat there and the game just ran and people were just dying willy-nilly and then all of a sudden you see their thumbs start to go and they're trying to figure out and it's hard too people because there's an audience out there that is watching you live and you're figuring out right now that the way that you make money has just fucking thrown in the towel that would i mean it was actually a very entertaining day i felt really bad for him uh, fortunately most of the people that i follow are either went to twitch or facebook or youtube you know and and they're all doing fine um but I, that'd be crazy i mean nobody can say that to me that's the fun part about being self employed also don't make very much money but um you know it, i would have to be the guy that made the decision to say it's all shutting down it's kind of scary to know that these these tech platforms sometimes in your winner take all markets that you referenced earlier can just they have to throw in the towel eventually because the overhead gets so large and they're paying people so much, but they don't have the superior technology. And that's what happened to Mixer, which I still think was the most user-friendly uh, streaming platform that I've used. I-, I think it's way easier to get around than what Twitch is or was easier. I guess it's a corpse yeah. in the ground now. But I, I, I don't I don't love Twitch's UI. It also just feels clunky. It feels like my computer's not fast enough for Twitch. Like, yep. I, I don't know what's up with that. But uh, yeah, the the mixer thing was weird. Like Microsoft gives Ninja thirty million. I don't remember how many millions they gave Shroud, but the, the that's called the marquee strategy. You sign like a big name. You get a big celebrity to come to your thing, and they bring their audience. Uh, you know, Spotify, Joe Rogan. It's a, it's the mar. That's a marquee deal. Um, and then they shut it. It was very Google-esque how Microsoft just like put all this money and build this thing. And then, hey, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, and it, it was wasn't weird. very long after they signed those huge contracts, too. It was like months after they signed them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't. It was, yeah, maybe months. Like it was, I, I don't know. I don't know if it ever came out whether Ninja got to keep that money or not. Boy. Like I know there was a lot of people talking like, oh, he's so lucky. But I don't, I doubt he got to keep all of it. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some stipulations in those contracts that protected both sides of things, whereas if Mixer pulled the plug, suddenly he gets X, but if he pulls the plug, suddenly, you know, they don't have to pay him X or whatever. Uh, It's the amounts of money that get thrown around when we're talking about people that play video games now is just mind-boggling. And I know that some people don't like, it's like everybody, there's, there's two columns of people, you either vid or you don't, and... It's so funny how it's like stigmatized. If you game, people think you just you know are are that stereotypical gamer, or you're lazy, or you waste your life, or whatever. Like, I mean, look, if you'd have told me back when I was 13 years old that the amount of video games that I play from here until 36 could be directly correlated with my income, 
and not in in opposite way, I, I, I did, my head would have exploded. I mean, nobody was making money playing video games when we were 13 years old, um, or I was. I'm a lot older than you, but... Uh, you know, it's a massive industry, and it's it's set to be. You probably know more about this than me, but it's set to be one of the biggest um, players in the entertainment sector pretty much every year now, right? Well, like video games or esports. Uh, well, I mean both, really, but uh, mostly like I guess video game streaming at this point, because that's what I'm talking about is the entertainment sector where or sector where people are just you know, they're not actually interacting as much as they're just donating their time and watching something. Streamers are, are cha- I mean, anytime you can get online right now and see those, be somebody playing Modern Warfare with 20,000 people watching them. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a lot when you go, well, how many millions watch Saturday Night Live? Well, yeah, but how many Saturday Night Lives are there? There's fucking one. There's, <laughs> there's a, a million yeah. different video game streamers out there. I mean, there's way more in the pool. So I don't know, man. I, I just, I feel like, it's kind of like everything with tech. If you're if you're turning your nose up at things like TikTok and you're turning your nose up at things like video game streaming and stuff like that, you're on the wrong side of history at this point because it's it's left you behind, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I mean, and we were not to, I know that we don't want to talk about the donkey no, show too do. much. I know we're, we're getting in trouble is, on the pod. We're not getting in trouble anymore. We I've, early. Had, I've had some conversations with some people. I've talked some things out and God damn it. We are going to get to that. It's the only thing I have left written down here on my shit, but I wanted to save it towards last, but yes, you're exactly right. And you say it better than most people because you're kind of in this industry a little bit. Share your thoughts on that. As far as the donkey show, you know, we were on stick cam which uh, that started even before you got there when we were... StickCam was a cool platform, dude. We would broadcast the radio show live on camera, and then there was a chat room, and there was also six available cameras that other people could jump on and show their webcam kind of in like a like a thumbnail next to the show. And wild things were happening on there. It was not an age-restricted <laughs> platform, which is a little bit concerning knowing the amount of women that just would come on there and take their tits out. But um, th- we, we were on stick cam. They closed that down. You had us on Twitch. I mean, it, it was, we were running a multi-camera show in there and, and really, I didn't don't really think anybody knew what they had. We were on the cutting edge of that shit. It was mostly because of you and, and Tanner having some really good ideas. I never really contributed to that, but uh, you know, share your thoughts, man. Talk about the donkey show all you want. I mean, I, I just, we were talking about Twitch, like, and how, you know, it's, it's so hard to get in now. Like we were super early on Twitch with the donk and we were super unique. Like it was like, Twitch was like full of like the stereotypical, like geeky gamers. Like, like, you know, you're talking about, you know, that it was just kind of disappeared. And now a lot of people play games and there's the Wii and it's, it's super kind of mainstream, but like we were like in there doing like a real show and like pre-Amazon acquisition too, like super early. And like, I remember we emailed them and we were like, Hey, like we don't really, like, can we just do a radio show on here? And they're like, no, you, we're going to kick you off if you don't play video games. <laughs> Which is crazy. So then like, you know, of course, like, it, it, you know, we didn't have the best equipment or support at that, at that, at that company. So like I jerry rigged a way together to like hook up the GameCube or like the N64, like we just like split the RCA signal and like somehow made it into the stream. So I was like, there, we got video games, you know, <laughs> like I think everyone else that worked there was like, why are these guys playing video games at work? It was actually part of the show. Yeah, It was necessary. The stream would not have worked. I have an email from them that says, 
you can't be on here unless you play video games. So it was necessary to anyone uh, who still thinks we are just like messing around. We were also just like drinking a bunch of beer though. So drinking a bunch we of definitely beer, had fun playing more Mario but, Kart than anybody has ever played in the series of like two years. I think I am. And, but it also was content, you know, it was like a people would watch us have our Mario Kart tournaments in between breaks and stuff like that. But B we had to do it to stay on Twitch, which was a part of our like media empire. So it was one of those things that uh, I like the way that you can you can justify that because I never justified all the video games I played in that studio until just now. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I mean, man, like I, I don't have like regrets or anything, but looking back, it was kind of a miss how early we are. Like if somehow in a perfect world, they would have been like, hey, here's money for a little bit better cameras and. You know, like here's like, and we could like really get behind that Twitch thing. I think it, it could have been like huge. Yeah. Like that early on Twitch, like before Ninja or any of these guys were on Twitch, like this like professional show on there, man, like, uh, it was, it was, it was cool, you know, to think back that we've, you know, like I do a lot of like consulting for like people who want to stream and like get their stuff together. And then it's like, they're like, how long you been doing this? I'm like, I don't you know, like how long it was the donk? Like it was, you know, like I've been doing this like longer than anyone. Like we were talking, I think before the pod started, like about OBS, which is the open broadcast system. Like I remember when it was unstable, you know, it's an open source piece of software. There are a bunch of random people throwing code in it. And like, now it's like people, people broadcast like huge, like multi-million dollar events over OBS. You know, it's uh, it's insane. It was super cool to like be a part of that early like streaming culture. Uh, I wish we would have turned it into like a multi-million dollar brand and empire, but uh, we we had a lot of fun, and uh, that's how, that's always a good thing. Boy, you and me both could really use multi-million dollar empire money right now. Um, not that you know, <laughs> I mean, things are still okay. The podcast's still running along, but hey, uh, I I think you're right, man. I I really do think that and. Plus, the other thing that we were able to build through the Twitch stream and more more than anything stick cam because it was a lot closer knit community was just that. Like we were able to engage in a way with our listeners that no other radio show had because every other radio show, when you went to commercial, guess what? You were no longer uh, you were no longer engaging with your listeners for that. It could be a three minute commercial block. It could be fifteen minutes of of Metallica and Aerosmith songs. But you're not communicating with your with your listener for that. And we were like we were there in the chat. We would talk to the people. We would you know we would throw the mics up live sometimes and just talk to the chat room. And dude, I mean, it, look, the Facebook page had twenty some odd thousand people in touch with it when we let when it was taken from us. We didn't let it go. Um, but you know, it, it, it's fun to think about and fun to know what might've been. I'm so happy that Tanner and Drew are doing as well as they are up in Portland. And I know you got to work with them for a little bit up there and before you moved and you know, it, that's awesome. I, I can't tell you how much it means to me that those guys even give me the time of day, let alone, uh, let me come on to their podcast, uh, Tanner and Drew's donkey show, uh, which can be found on the iHeartMedia app. Um, it, it's it's really mean, cool to have that be what a part do you mean, of my give life. You the time. You're just as talented as any of us, man. Like, uh, it's no. I'm I'm kind of a I'm a fake a little bit, and I know that, and I'm happy about it. You know, no, I don't agree with that at all, man. Like, I <laughs> working in the radio industry, it's all just like a bunch of it's a bunch of BS. There's like barely any jobs. There's you know, like it's just a coin toss at this point. Like, and like. 
Is that why you got out of it? Is because you just, I mean, you already said that like they weren't paying you for for the video production that you wanted to do, and it you wanted to kind of get more towards that. But was it also a thing is like you felt like you were kind of standing underneath of a ceiling, like there wasn't anywhere to go? Absolutely. There's no, there's nowhere to go. I I, I mean like, I, well, I, not nowhere, but the very few people get to go up. Uh, especially if you just want to stay on the creative path. Like if you want to become a manager and do all that, that stuff, that uh, that's not for me. I wasn't interested in that. Um, I don't know, like just like uh, working in the radio industry, I kind of like um, one thing that I take away is kind of just like, I felt like the creative aspects of it and the artistry just wasn't really valued by the industry. It was kind of just like, yeah, we need a show there. And if your show does really good and gets good ratings, of course they like that. But it, I, I don't know. Like it's, they'll still replace you like that. You know, <laughs> like they'll just, oh yeah, that guy. They cost too much. You know, like I felt like it, having a afternoon show or something like to a lot of the people in charge. It's just the same as like, hey, we got to sell twenty commercials and we got to have a person on air. It wasn't like, oh, like these guys are really good, or you know, like like Craig. Gatt, if you're current on this podcast, as as like Dylan Flynn is, of course, <laughs> uh, you heard Craig Gass come on, and he was like, "Holy shit, I came to the Donkey Show," and it was like, I couldn't believe this was happening. And that guy's done radio all across the country, probably hundreds of places, and like, there was no one like who had that viewpoint, like Craig Gass, who could say like, "Yeah, this is special." It's like. That's stupid, right? That should be that should be the viewpoint <laughs> of the people making the decisions and deciding who gets paid and who gets support and who gets equipment that works, you know. Oh, so God. yeah, I just kind of like, I I just you know, there's a lot of you know, there's always like a way to like, there's always someone who's going to be on top, and it's it seems like it's consolidating more and more these days, and it just felt like the creative wasn't valued, you know. And I was just like, well, I want to go somewhere where it's like the creative is number one. Sure. Like making cool shit is the most important thing. And I think what I like about radio is people doing cool shows, people doing funny things and insightful things like that should be number one. And I just felt like in the industry, that's not, that's not number one to them. No, it's It's like, you know, and I get it. They want to make money. Like I'm not, I'm not anti making money and making a business, but there's also, there's, there's an artistry to it that I think, if radio keeps continuing the way it is, like we'll be gone and, and we'll be missed. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, a uh, you know, you like, I'm part of all these like Facebook groups of like old radio guys. And like it, this stuff is important to people. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think it's a bummer that, you know, it's getting so small. Yeah. Now. No, it is. And it's like you said, they'll replace you at the drop of a hat. They replaced me with a computer. And then later, a country a country DJ. I think his name is like Bobby Bones or something like that, which you want to really feel good about yourself, get replaced by a country guy named Bobby Bones. Um, and I mean, no disrespect, Bobby. I don't, you know, maybe that's your real name and your parents hated you. I never would have been. I, I went by a moniker on the radio, and it's one of the things that I, I think it's funny because my moniker is meant to be, it's Buster-Ass Marcus. It's meant to laugh at. It's not meant to be like, I'm Buster ass Mark. Like I don't go out and like flaunt that in the street. Like I'm not going to have it printed on my, on my headstone. But I, you know, when I see like Bobby bones, I just think, God damn it. And he's on the side of a bus too, which by the way, we had a K fly logo and a donkey show logo on an Oregon taxi up until like 2020. So the legacy did live on. Did they get rid of it? I think they got rid of it. If they haven't gotten rid of it, I haven't seen it in a while. So 
Damn. Yeah, that thing, that thing had some staying power. Well, and I, I guess I the uh, taxi think... advertising in Eugene is not like a hot market. We're like, we got to switch these out. <laughs> well, New I think client. the guy that leased that cab was a big fan, and he was holding on to the dream, too. And we appreciate you, dude. Hats off to that guy uh, for flaunting that around because between him and the dude that called the radio show or the radio studio to complain every day for a year, uh, that right there should tell you we had the best fans in radio. That's all there was to it. The Throbbits were great. And uh, that's it. We won't talk about the donkey show anymore for the people that get sick of it. Um, it. It was a big part of my life, though, and it's one of the reasons that I have even come in contact with you. So I think uh, that my, my life is way better for it. And, um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I learned a lot there. I learned uh, I learned where my threshold is about shit that I'll put up with from people that call themselves my manager. It's like I, I, when, when you first get into a big corporate gig like that, you kind of think, oh, these people are like my manager, but really they're mom and dad. Like if I do something that they don't like, they have the opportunity to take my toys away and uh, they will do it. They'll do it from time to time. But, uh, you know, the only thing that you can do is, as, as, a, as a kid like me is just try to toe that line as many times as possible and see which times you get your, your head chopped off. So, um, dude. It's an interesting uh, – sorry, it's just an interesting skill set. Like, I think back to, like, the shit I learned on the radio, like, doing live radio and now, like, stepping into non-live stuff. It's like I'm so fast at shit. Like, people get – like, because – I'm used to like, it's live. Like you got to think of something in two seconds and say it, or you got a minute to make audio. And like, you know, I'm definitely like, you know, as down as I sound on the industry saying, so, you know, like I'm definitely glad, I, super thankful for those years we did that in my years up in Portland. Like I built like this really unique skill set that just like, uh, is really different than a lot of like the other people who do like, you know, film or podcasts and the stuff I'm doing now. Like, uh, and you know, not to sound like I'm super cool, but like people are so slow at shit. Like no one does live things anymore. And like doing live radio makes you super fast creative. Like I was making these, uh, like vision commercials, like for commercials for this vision franchise. And like, it's like $5 a thing. And there's a big green screen of this like lady. And she's like, Oh, welcome to this vision. Welcome. It's like, you know, there's thousands of franchises. And I'm making these things and like, I have that radio thing. I'm like, yeah, let's get these out fast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And like people, other people in the group is like this big freelance group started getting mad at me for making them too fast. Cause they thought I was like land grabbing all the commercial. Like they thought I was cheating. They didn't think I could do like 20 of these things an hour. And I'm just like, yo, you guys are slow. Like <laughs> you would, I, I, just, I meet so many creative people that, uh, I think wouldn't last a second in live radio. And that makes me glad that I did it because it's, it makes you, it, you know, differentiates you and gives you this unique skill set that, you know, lets you uh, really get content out. I think that's one of the biggest problems I run into with people is like just taking forever to make something like you've got to know where that line is. That line is super important where you say it's good enough. Some people have it too low and they put out stuff that's shitty and no one wants to watch. And some people have it too high and they never put out enough stuff and they never, they never build a community. And I think, Radio is a great way to learn where to put that. Yep. And for the listener that's wondering, it's up to you to categorize where you think the Man Room podcast should fall, where those standards were that Kirk just said. Is it <laughs> a lot of pretty shitty stuff or is it some good stuff? You decide. Dude, I, I've had you here for almost an hour and a half so far. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to join me all the way from Florida. Uh, miss you terribly. Can't wait to next time you're here in town. We've already talked about it off the mic. You're going to come see the Corgis. I know you're a Corgi guy yourself. You grew up with Corgis. You still, does your family still have a Corgi? 
No, my sister had a corgi. Your sister had a corgi. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big corgi fan. But yeah, I want I need to come over and eat some uh, some weird animal meat. Oh. You're the only person I know with like game. Dude, you know what I ate right before the show is like a little snack. I ate capybara. Cal- <laughs> so far, I haven't had capybara yet, but I hear it's delightful. Um, I <laughs> had um, Axis deer jalapeno cheddar summer sausage from Hawaii. Ooh. Yeah, my dad wow. my dad just got back from Hawaii and they went axis deer hunting over there and uh oh my god, it's amazing. I get you some elk. We're going to do some elk next time you come over. Uh if we're lucky, we might have some deer, maybe some goose or duck pepperoni. Um I've been I've been Don't honing you bears sometimes. I've never hunted bear. I, well, I, that's not true. I've hunted bear. I've never been successful. Um and, and uh, I mean, okay. there's lots of bear around here. Like they just saw a bear in the city limits of Eugene the other day. So I might just have to go out and tackle one, choke it out. Because they're not very big, those black bears. Um, but, but, yeah, man, uh, antelope is the other one that we've had. I think you had some antelope one time way back when, maybe. Uh, I, I might have brought some in the right. studio. So um, I'd be happy to feed you all the exotic meats that I can get my hands on, no pun intended. And, um, yeah, dude, uh, when's, so how long has it been since you've been back to uh, your home? Because you grew up here in Oregon. And obviously you went to New York and then COVID hit and now Florida. So it's been like, what, has it been like a year since you've been back? No, I was back for, I like took a COVID break, like went home and like, you know, didn't pay rent and all that. Nice. Not, not, let me clarify. I'm not one of those people who just said, oh, like there's a eviction. What was it? They, like, you can't evict people. I'm not paying. I didn't have, my lease ran out. and I didn't, So I came home and saved up money uh, and did so. Yeah, I was there for the holidays. I was gonna hit you up, but it was like a weird COVID was so weird asking people to hang out because you always had to be like, "Hey, like, do you want to get together?" But it's okay if you if you are available, but don't want to because there's all these weird things and like I didn't want to make I didn't really like hit a lot of people up because I don't want to make them uncomfortable if they're like scared of you know uh, uh, rightfully scared of COVID. Sure. I don't, I, I was over here hanging out in my germ hut, so don't ever think that you're not welcome. You can come be a be a germ-infested uh, dude just like me. That's why I grow this beard. It's supposed to keep bacteria away from the mouth. Okay, well, I will come over. <laughs> uh, no mask, uh, as long as, you know, next time, I don't know how many variants we'll have by then, maybe, maybe we'll, but... God willing, I'll come over, no mask, and we'll eat some uh, capybara. The only thing you need a mask for in my house is the corgi farts, because sometimes they get out of control. I'm not playing around. <laughs> Kirk Inbisk, thank you All so right. much for joining us in the man room. Uh, that's that's it. That And I've asked almost every person in here, what do you think about the man room? Did you have a good time tonight? Yeah, yeah, the man room is great. I think I've been in the man room once in person, so. Yep. Uh, and it looks great, and uh, really enjoying the podcast. I am current, like Dylan Flynn. I'm current on the podcast. I listen every week. I, I don't know if I'm going to listen to my own. That might be kind of weird. You should but, jump uh, into the – I know it's it's really late for you, but we stream uh, each week's episode on Twitch uh, Wednesday nights, and I didn't even plug that when we were talking about Twitch earlier. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, you can jump in, and, and actually yours is going to be only the second one besides Craig Gass that had live video to it. So um, if you're there, you can listen to it. I know it's weird to listen to yourself all the time, and radio will teach you that, but – um, I actually, you know what I've been doing during the Twitch stream? When it's streaming, I turn on my PlayStation and I listen to the episode again and I just play like, you know, video games in the background and stuff like that. So it works because you're not focused solely on yourself. That's the only re- that's the only way I can stomach it, to be honest. But uh, 
If you want to come hang out Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on Twitch, once again, themanroompodcast.com, themanroompodcast at gmail.com is where you can get in touch with us. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the rest of it, we're all there. You can check Kirk out at Applico, that's on YouTube and also on uh, TikTok, and we'll make sure to put up your company's website as well in the description of this so that the people can go check out anything that you do, and uh, it is all creative content. It's not boring. It's good stuff, and so go give Kirk uh, a follow and subscribe on Facebook because he's going to make money for that, and that's something that not no, everybody YouTube. can do. Or YouTube, sorry. Did I say Facebook? We're not. I think we're even on Facebook. Probably not. That's an old person thing. I'm on Facebook. That's where you can find me because I'm old. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you to Wildcraft Cider for providing my delicious thing tonight, even though I had to buy it from the store at normal price. And uh, thanks to your Czechoslovakian Pilsner. Um, that's it. I am really having Whatever. trouble wrapping this up, and I don't know why. I think it's because it's on video. So stupid video. We're out of here. It's the Man Room Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And, 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 and,